back about, I don't know, probably almost a year ago when we moved here, John asked me, hey, I think that you're the guy to start an overcomers group up here. And I had done one down south, and, and I really enjoyed it, and I really liked it. And I said, uh, okay, that's fine. You know, that's fine. The Lord had spoke to me a week before that and said, John, something's coming. I want you to get prepared for it. And I said, okay. So I knew something was going to happen. So I, I sat down, and, you know, if you know me, I've got one three-year-old, and i got a two-month-old, but I didn't have the two-month-old yet. So uh, I said, okay, Lord, and, and pretty much, I guess, about 11 o'clock is when I kind of have my time sometimes because you, know, you can't really spend time with the Lord with a three-year-old beating on you and grabbing your phone and, hey, let me see that. Let me play Power Rangers, you know. Uh, so I would just kind of sit and I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want this group to look like? So he began to give me these different topics. And he said, John, I want you to pretty much walk people through what I walked you through. And, and I may change it from week to week, uh, so don't lean too much on the material. And I said, okay, um, that makes sense. And so what I did is I just wrote everything down. Well, what I seen was a progression. God would do a few topics, and then towards the end, it would be like plugging people into life groups, different areas of life. So the progression was he works in their heart, does the works, then he gets a plug in moving on. And I have seen that in this group. And so uh, I share all that to say that um, it, it, I began to read my book last night. And I, and I, I don't normally do that. Uh, I was just looking through there. I was looking for something. And I was getting ready to send this book to Russia. I have a friend in Russia that's a pastor. And uh, I just, I don't know why that I was going to send it to him. And I just said, hey, this doesn't make any sense. But usually when that happens, I try to press into it because I would normally never do that. And so I was looking through there and I said, you know, this is a good book, you know. And I said, you know, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't tell many people about my first book. I just don't, I'm not. I've been around a lot of guys that were braggers and boasters, and it just, it made me sick to my stomach. It just, I mean, seriously, I would just get sick to my stomach. And I just said, you know, man, and I, I would want to tell them, just, golly, man, shut up, be quiet, man. You know, let the Lord promote you. But last night, I was looking through this, and I told my wife, I said, you know, honestly, I don't tell many people about that book. And she said, you know, you should. God gave you that story. And she's right. And I said, you know what? I should tell people. So uh, anyways, I have a book. I wrote this book seven years ago, I think about. Uh, but I was reading through it. And there's some good stuff in there. You know, it's crazy when you read your own stuff. You're like, I can't believe I wrote that. Uh, the good part is I can't believe I lived this. That's how God can totally change your life. And that's a good thing. So when I read this, I'm going, wow. That really happened to me. That is so crazy because he healed me from all the other stuff. Like, I don't remember half of that stuff. So anyways, I, I want to read um, something that I learned in the Overcomers group 10, 15 years ago. Um, my experience, I have seen recovery process work like this. Repentance from sin, receiving new life in Christ, addiction deliverance, removal of death in my lifestyle, Freedom from all bondage and strongholds, 
And the sixth was walking in my life of addition to God, myself, and my family. And I said, wow, that's really good. I mean, that's kind of the progression that my life went through. So I began to look at all the messages that I had um, for, for, you know, just for the overcomers. And, and I sent them to Rochelle, let her know, hey, here's kind of what we'll talk about. Uh, but I don't know what order it'll be. And honestly, it could change. So tonight was, was uh, I actually was going to talk about something else. And the Lord said, I want you to talk about temptation. And I said, well, that's so elementary. That's so silly. And he said, yeah, usually the most powerful things are elementary. Very simple, but they bring great results. And I said, okay, cool. So I, I kind of crafted something together uh, of what I felt like he was saying to me. And then a friend of mine sent me a verse today talking about being tempted. And I was like, wow. So I was like, okay, the Lord kept affirming himself. Hey, this is what I want you to talk about. And so that's exciting to me that I'm on track. You know, I'm on track with the, with kind of the week and, and, and what's being taught. And Because a lot of people ask me, what are you guys teaching there? We just teach about Jesus, that he's... He's the bondage breaker, and he's the one that, that when he breaks the bondage, he doesn't just leave you hanging. He actually takes you with him, and that's, that's what we believe, you know. So, uh, anyways, I don't even know if that, that wasn't in here, but that was, I think that was probably needed to be said, maybe. Uh, oh, if, if you want any time, whatever, we would love to connect with you. I like getting up here and talking, but I, I really, I would rather be talking to you one-on-one. -on -one. That's my heart. That's, uh, I think that's where most stuff happens, one-on-one. -on -one. I have had a lot of breakthroughs sitting in a meeting, listening, uh, and God was giving me revelation. He was doing stuff in my heart under the anointing. Uh, but I have really enjoyed having coffee, phone conversations. You know, if you know me, I have T-Mobile, and if my friend Kirk was here, he would tell you 40% of the coverage, but half the price. So, uh, you know, you kind of give and take. So if I call you, I have signal, and if you call me back and it goes to voicemail, I don't have signal. So uh, if you ever want to have coffee, if you just want to chat about something, you got something on your heart, just shoot me an email, and I'll give you that email if you need it. If you want to write it down, if you want to come to me after I'll give it to you. And I would love to just, my deal is pointing you to resources or, or maybe answering a question, a simple question. So anyways, just, just want to make myself available. Um, I don't just get up here and talk just to talk because, I mean, if that was going to save the world, we, we would have been, we would have done save the world by now. You know, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Uh, we've had a lot of great speakers. So uh, I, I believe that one-on-one -on -one talking uh, getting to know each other, learning how we can help you. Uh, that's our goal. We want to help you. Okay, so let's talk about temptation. So, temptation is, is a, it is a absolute, it's a trap. That's the whole ending to temptation. Hide the trap. I was talking to a guy today, and he, he, he fell into a trap. And, uh, and I, I just, I grieve, I grieve when I hear about that the bait was on the hook and they bit the hook. I grieve because I know what it feels like. And I know what it's like to have to go to my wife or to somebody and tell them 
the, the feeding news, you know, it's just like, gosh, just like shame and guilt all over again. And, uh, and I said, listen, here's the thing. All there is, is there's a hook. Well, there was a bait. You bit the bait. Now you've got the hook. I said, you can't control who's got the, you, you know, who's got the rod and reel. All you can do is get the hook out. That's all you can. When you get that hook out, he won't jerk on your line anymore. Because what would happen to me is, you know, the devil would let me go, you know, do my thing for a while. And then he'd say, okay, we let him go to church and have a little fun. Now we're going to pull that line. And that's what he would do. He would pull that line. So I would feel like when I would relapse that I was being drugged back. And I'm like against my will. I don't want to do this. But there was a hook in me. And it just, I mean, he would pull that line. So he would hit the drag and let me go for a little while. You know, let the fish wear himself out when he's weak, right? And then you pull that rod and reel back. And that's what he did to me. So I said, listen, temptation begins in a process. So I started sharing some things with him to, to kind of help him see the traps. And, you know, I can't be with him all the time. I mean, he's my buddy, but I can't, I can't do everything for him. I said, here's the deal. If I tell you some things that help me, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll have an eye out for the things that may get you, you know? So uh, maybe you're tempted to smoke a cigarette. That leads you right back into your nicotine addiction. I know for me, I would hang out with people that smoke and I would be like, I'm not gonna smoke. It never worked. I never hung out with somebody that smoked and didn't smoke. I was just like, well, nobody else knows, so I'll smoke with them. And when I would get around my accountability partners, they would say, hey, how's everything going? Oh, I'd say everything's good, you know? And, and I was lying, you know? I was, yeah, everything's not good, I'm hiding, you know? And, and my friend said, you've been smoking? And I was like, yeah. You know, because I would cologne it. The only thing about smoke, I would try and cologne it and lotion it up, you know? And it would never work. But I was so glad he called me out. I was like, listen, man, I've been smoking, sneaking. But it felt so good. It's like I took a backpack off that had bricks on the back and I just laid it down. And he said, brother, I had a vision of you the other day. You were, uh, you were on your knees and you had a weight, like a, like a concrete weight on you. And it was, that, it was that addiction you got. It was that nicotine addiction. And I said, you know, I let everything else go but that. And I mean, honestly, I tell people all the time, I let everything else but that. It's just, it just gripped me. And what it was, it was a hook. It wasn't the big stuff. It wasn't the, the crack or whatever else. It was the little thing. And I just, he would just pull on me and say, yeah, you gave all that other stuff up. But what about this? You're not a real Christian. You're not born again. That's what the, I mean, he would just, he would push me into this corner. And he would corner me. He had me. So, oh, it just, it would wear me out. And I, I couldn't fake it. So if I was smoking cigarettes, I wasn't at church. You just wouldn't see me because I was like a, if I'm going to do it, I'm 155% or I'm zero. And so I struggled, I battled with that. So anyways, sometimes that's a process. I can tell you this, I bought a bunch of packs of cigarettes, smoked one, threw it out, went to church, and come back and look for that pack that I threw out because it was $5. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you. But I'll tell you a funny story that really helped me. So I did that one Sunday, and I mean, I'll be honest, I come back and it was gone. I was like, I 
know I threw it right here. You know, I, I know exactly where I threw it because, I mean, you know, you know where you threw that thing. It's five bucks, you know. And so I go home and I'm sitting there and I'm going, golly, somebody snatched that thing. And I get a door and I'm just like, who is this? And I open the door and it's my friend Jesse. And I said, hey, buddy, what's up, man? He, he had his head down. I was like, what's going on, man? He was like, oh, man. I was nicking so bad. Listen, but I gotta tell you this, I was nicking and I'm walking down the road and, uh, and I looked down and there's a whole pack of Marlboro Lights. And I was like, shoot, I grabbed it up and smoked it. Can you believe that? I mean, it was like the Lord. I was like, no, nah, it was me. <laughs> he said, John, you're smoking. I said, yeah. He said, I was hoping you would pray for me. I said, I ain't praying, I can't pray for you. You better go to somebody else's house. I ain't got free off of that. And he said, I said, do you got any more left? <laughs> he said, I can't smoke cigarettes with you. You're like the leader. And I said, I know. So anyways, it was a funny story, but it let me know that God was saying, hey, I want to I wanna take this away from you. Because you got people showing up at your house wanting prayer. You can't pray for them. And uh, hey, I got free, and I'm so glad it's been 10 years. Can you believe that? Praise God. That's a miracle, because I, I never thought I'd smoke quit smoking cigarettes. Anyways, uh, so the process I see in the Bible is with any temptation is resist, stand firm, fight, press forward. That's, that's what I see the progression being. If we fail, or I say, I would say when we fail, not, not speaking failure over you, but it does happen, and it definitely happened to me a lot. If we fail in the process, we repent, confess, ask for forgiveness, move forward. That's where I got hung up because I would fail, and then I'd go, shoot, I did that. I might as well do this. And it would just be like a snow. I can say snowball up here because there's nothing but snow. And it would just snowball, and it would start this little bitty, you know, pea size, and then turn into a huge mountain. You know, I got all this stuff I got to talk about now. You know, and when people would see me, they'd just, oh, man, you look heavy. Yeah, I got toting the load here, you know. And uh, what's going on? Oh, shoot, you know, I blew it, you know. I don't even know why I'm coming to church, you know. And, and so I would just, I would just snowball. And so what I didn't, what I, what I didn't have uh, good was my confession. You know, I, I wasn't excited about my confession. I didn't want to tattle on myself. And so I got... I taught myself how to habitually tell on myself. And it was hard because I had built a lifestyle not telling myself. You know, like, oh man, nobody will ever know about that. But but here's the deal. I, I know about that. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's best to be clear and have that open book. And so I learned how to be an open book. And that, I, I don't know anything else. I had really good accountability partners too. One of my accountability partners was a counselor. He's a Christian drug abuse counselor. Um, the other one was a pastor. I mean, I had really, I had like eight or 10 of them that were like that. So it was super easy, even though it was hard to call them and say, hey, I blew it. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, you know. But when I did it, I was like, oh man, I feel, I feel loved, you know, because I was so used to feeling judged. And that's, that's just, that's kind of the world we live in sometimes. But there are people that love you and that, that are good, that, that can be good accountability partners, and you got to find them. 
Really, I mean, I really had to find out who they were and, you know, because uh, if you get a bad accountability partner, it, it ain't going to be good. It's going to it build, it's going to build a wall up and then it's going to make it harder and harder to press forward. But if you need somebody, if you, if you want to shoot me an email, I won't judge you. I won't judge you. They are really pumped up. You know, they got, they got some joy. But that helped me, that confession. And so I learned how to confess. And even with my wife, I tell my wife, hey, these are some things I'm going through. And they say sometimes, probably don't want to have that as a, but you know, she's my mate. She helps me fight. She understands that we're in a fight. She knows. And, and I think it's, it's made our marriage so strong, just being really open and fighting for each other. So you're not fighting each other. That's, that's just a little, that's a little freebie right there. Uh, the hidden sin, it will weigh you down. Use your confession and your repentance so you can move on. Uh, when I would wait too long, I mean, it would begin, it would be like condemnation just smashing me in the face. You are not, you're just a piece of crap, you know, and I mean, nobody wants to hear all that. The devil, he is just, he is relentless and he just tears us apart in our mind. So here's, I want to read a few scriptures because I found some and they were just so fitting. Uh, it says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. And it's so true because I would be like, why am I holding on to this? Why can't I just tell? You know, like call my friend up. He would be, he would just be so loving. Brother, let me tell you what the blood of Jesus. And I mean, he was just so loving. And I would just be wrestling. I ain't calling him. I ain't got to call him. I'm a grown man. You know, and I would, I would go through the whole deal. And uh, eventually the Holy Spirit would say, come on now. That's going to hinder you. Come on now. Come on now. Just come on. Let's move forward. And I'm so glad he was relentless with me just pushing me to get that confession out there because when I did it I would feel free <sighs> man I feel so good all right yeah let's go and that devil would be mad man that joker is putting the light he's exposing the light in his heart and what I learned is strongholds hide in dark places so if we conceal that light from going into that place that book is going to be strong it's going to be a big one you know and we don't want no biggins, you know. Them jokers, they pull us away from Jesus. So uh, here's another one right here. This goes right into what that last one says. This is, that, that was prop, uh, Psalms 32.3. This is Proverbs 28.13. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And that is true because I have lived it. Uh, this is another one, James 5, 16, and I've lived this one too. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So this is what me and my friend talked about. I said, listen, do I have to always call you when this happens? And he said, you, no, you, you, you don't ever have to call him. He said, here's the deal. You can confess your sins to Jesus and you're forgiven, buddy, period. You don't need, I'm not Jesus. He said, but here's what the Bible incorporates is when you confess your sins to each other and you pray for each other, you get healed. So he said, you can be forgiven or you can be whole and healed. And I said, well, I want the whole thing. He said, well, it's going to cost you a phone call. 
And I said, dang, brother, you nailed it right on the head. And, and it's true. And that's why the devil fights us and says, don't tell them. Don't you tell them what you did. Because he knows if you tell them, man, there's two people fighting instead of one. So keep that in mind. Conviction draws us to Jesus. Condemnation makes us run away and hide. And I've done that before. And let me tell you what, it ain't no fun there. That is a lonely place right there. What I learned too is if I'm not an open book, I become a man on the island. Does that make sense? Because you got all kinds of stuff you don't want to talk about and you don't want other people knowing and you just kind of isolate. You just, you just do. Uh, that's what I did, you know, because I knew I had some friends that had real prophetic giftings on their life and I'd hang out with them and, and they look at me and they say, brother, you struggling? Da -da -da. And I was like, man, dude, just read my mail in front of all these people, you know? And I was just like, dang, why you got to call me out like that, you know? And so I knew if I get around them, man, they're going to call me out. And uh, what's funny is, is that's what happens to me now is I'll get to hanging around people and the Lord will show me something. And I'm like, oh, dang, I remember when that used to happen to me, you know. That happened to me yesterday. And I was like, oh, my goodness. He is going to die when I call him. So, hey, not every time I call you, that's going to happen. I'm just talking, hey, you know, I'm just thinking about you normal. Sometimes it may happen. Um, anyways, so this is what he says right here. Because during this process, the temptation... The failure, the success, you're going you're gonna to have some trips and falls. So, but you got to keep moving. I say move forward because you got to keep moving. It's a football game. Sometimes you get laid out by a linebacker and you got their number written across your forehead. You're just laying down. Oh, Lord, you know, that joker got me. And, you know, all your teammates are like, hey, brother, come on. We got we to play the game. You got to go sit out. And get your breath, you know. But you got to get back in the game, you know. And even when you fall, you fail, you mess up, get back up. Get back, come on, get back moving. Because what the devil says is you're done. When you, when you fall, you're done. You're done. This is over. This is all you're ever going to be. Da, 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 you know, on and on and on. Matthew 7, 7, it says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. Let me tell you what, I beat the door of freedom down. I beat it until I got it. And that's what I've learned about this faith thing. You got to be a little tenacious. And you got to say, hey, homeboy, you may have got me today, but I'm getting back up. And, I'm, and I mean, you got to throw some fists. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to... We're going to share a little animated sermon. And it's going to be a blessing because that's kind of how this recovery or, or any faith walk is. you got to fight, you know. you got to kind of take a few hits and give a few back, you know. The victory goes to the one that didn't quit, right? That goes with anything. If you get in a ring, I don't know if you guys watch MMA, but, you know, I watch it, but I don't let my little boy watch it, but I teach him kickboxing, you know, because, I mean, I think it's a little too much for him. But, I mean, that, the ones that don't quit, that's the ones that get it, you know. You know, maybe you hit me four or five times and you got blood on my face, but I'm going to hold you down and submit you out, you know. And then, you know, here's the deal. I didn't quit. The question I would hear 
in my heart is, John, how much freedom do you want? And I would say, shoot, you know, I want it all, you know, but I wouldn't think about my answer because I knew there was going to be a cost. The Lord was asking me that question for a reason. John, how free do you want to be because there's always more? I just thought that once you get where there's no drugs going in your body, you know, freedom. And yeah, that's, that's, that's true, but there's always more. Like he's always working on new areas of your life. And I think that's, that's uh, it's encouraging, but it's kind of like, it's kind of uncomfortable because, you know, it never stops. And it's like, dang, I don't want to change again. I done changed and done all this stuff. Isn't that enough? And he said, no, because you're going to get stagnant. If you stop, you're going to get stagnant. So uh, for me, man, I had, I had problems with the Internet. I had problems with porn, nicotine, alcohol. Uh, so for, for the porn part, I took the Internet, <clears throat> cut the Internet. You know what I mean? I mean, I just said, these are the boundaries I'm going to set. My buddy said, how, how, you know, what do you want to do? Let me know. You know, I can't do this for you. So I said, I tell you what, I'll get this stuff that goes on the internet uh, and it sends a message out to you, you know? And I, I was like, I know I'm gonna hate that, but uh, you know, that's what I did. And so sure enough, you know, anything I looked at on the internet that was, you know, risky, it would send four people an email. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, geez, what a dummy. But you know, I was, I was tired. I was just like, whatever it takes, I'll do, I'll go to the most extreme measures. And I think God just honored that and said, this guy is crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing, but anyways, he wants freedom, I give it to him. And that's what I did. I just went after it. I said, if it's mine, I want it, you know? So I'm not saying you got to do that. I'm just saying, what, what are you, what are you willing to do? How tired are you? That's no matter what it is, it could be alcohol, it could be food addiction. That's, that, you know, that's me now. It's like, you know, I don't dip, smoke, drink, you know, all that stuff. But I'm like, man, I love that ice cream, da, 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 you know. And, and in balance, it's good. I think it's great. But whenever it's like I can't control myself, I'm hiding it from my wife. She walks in, I'm eating. I'm, what, what are you doing? It's, it's Moose Tracks, Christine. You know, they don't have us down south. And she's like... What are you, you're not supposed to be eating that. You got high cholesterol. And she's just nailing me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to stop doing this. So I was going to bring the moose tracks uh, thing and show you guys, but you know, I, I haven't bought it in a long time. So I'm winning. I've been fasting. <laughs> Amen. Right? We're on a fast. Amen. Uh, yeah, I hung around people that didn't smoke or drink. It made it so awkward. And I'd be like, all right, man, I got to go. And they're like, wow, so soon? Because that old cigarette be pulling at me. Hey, you got to come out here. And I said, yeah, you're right. I'm coming out there. You know, I'm trying to leave. You know, and then I would find myself like trying to, trying to like, oh, yeah, my mom called, you know. And they're like, you ain't going to your mom's at 9 o'clock? Yeah, man. You know, I, I would run out of lies. And so I'm like, shoot, I got to go smoke, whatever. Judge me if you want. And. So I started hanging out with people that, that didn't, and it made it so awkward. And uh, thank God I didn't live up here because I would have really quit way earlier. <laughs> it's like negative 30. I ain't going outside, you know. But down south, it's only 50 degrees. So I'm going to smoke a cigarette, no big deal. Uh, but I just tried to, I tried to push myself out, you know. And I, and I wanted to be real about it. I, wanted, I didn't want to hide. Everybody knew my struggles. 
They're like, is this what John's going through? I'm an open book. Judge me. I don't care. I slap it. You know, I didn't, it didn't bother me. Uh, that's way better than where I came from. I was like, boy, don't you know, I done came from way over here. And these are just little petty things. But uh, anyways, when temptation comes, we all have to know the result every single time is death. Sin equals death. It's been paying them dividends for decades. And it'll never pay different. It'll always pay death. Sin always pays death. He'll attempt you with the same thing 20 different ways. But like I said, it's still the same payment. And I would think, gosh, this time I'm going to feel better. Absolutely not. Feel way worse. Way, and then you're just like miserable. Here's, uh, this is James 1, 12 through 15. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. I'm going to stop right there because I used to count to like two minutes when that temptation would come over top of me and I'd say, oh, I'm going to Circle K right now. And then I'd say, no, I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray. Lord, help me. And I'd get in the car. I'm headed to go buy whatever, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, man. Now that I got close, I'm not nicking as bad or I'm not like thirsting for that alcohol as bad. I'll just hit a block. And if I still feel the same way, then I'll go in. Well, what I realized is the longer I would wait, the, the, more, the more I could resist. And I'm like, wow, this is actually getting better. And so I would try and hit a couple of blocks. You know, sometimes I couldn't even make a block. I mean, I ain't going to lie. You know, some people say one day at a time. It was one hour at a time. One, you know, 15 minutes at a time. And, and what I learned is, is I began to learn how to resist and live in resistance. And that, that strength of that temptation would, would go away, would lift. And I said, well, why is that, Lord? Give me some scripture. He said, the Bible says clearly you resist the devil. He'll flee. But you got to resist, John. Get your resistance up. And I'm like, I can't, man, I can't resist. He hit me with the hard ones, Lord, you know. And he said, well, you, you got you to gotta see where he's throwing his punches first. And you got to be ready. So it's just like a fight. I don't want to tell my whole, whole message for a couple weeks, but that's what it was. Is, man, he's going to throw a right hook in the second round. I got to be ready for that bad boy. That thing's going to hurt, you know. So, all right, so it says James so I didn't finish James. I'm going to finish it. It says, Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. I used to say, Lord, why are you allowing this? And then it says, God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So this was a desire I had been feeding since I was nine years old. I mean, I remember my, my uncle walked over to me with a cigarette. I was, it was a Pall Mall. He said, here, here, this right here. Man, you're going to love this. And I mean, he didn't have no filter on it. I mean, I'm a kid. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I ate more than I smoked. He gives it to me. I, I mean, it's all in my teeth. And I'm trying to get the light, and I don't even know what I'm doing. And he's just giving it to me. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, check this out. 
You know, and, and I, I was like, oh, cool. You know, this is cool. And I coughed for about an hour. And uh, I was like, man, I'm cool, you know. I watched a rated R movie. You know, I was bad to the bone, you know. But when I was a little bitty kid, when I was three, he would take me to bars. And what I realized is all this stuff got put in me real early, you know, real early. You know, I remember taking a pool stick, and I couldn't see above the pool table. And then I would look around. I could tell you exactly what the bar looked like. And I'm, I'm a three-year-old kid at a bar. You know, so when people say, when did you start barring? Man, I was three, you know. But, you know, I'm laughing, but it's my uncle. He, he just, he wanted to include me. He was like my daddy. He, like, raised me. But he was an alcoholic from Pennsylvania. He was Italian. And, uh, and I loved that guy. And when he died, man, you talk about drug use and abuse. Man, it went through the roof after that. I bet the liquor store seen a skyrocket, you know. Uh, because I had pain, you know, from all that. Because even though it was bad stuff that he led me into, man, he was my hero. Like, he was the chief to me. Um, temptation, it's a booger, man. It really, but that's where it all starts. Before anything goes in your mouth, before you look at anything, before you get into any kind of cycle, whether, you know, be crazy stuff or just little stuff, silly stuff. That just binds you up. It starts with this. Starts with the temptation. He'll come straight to them weak areas. And then he, that's, he's trying to get to the heart. That's what he wants. If he can get to your heart, he gains total control. That's what he wants. I had to have a new heart. I needed, I needed, I had a calloused heart. I wasn't receptive to the gospel. And I couldn't understand why. I would sit in church services and I would just be numb to what they were saying. And in one day, I mean, it just, it's like the lights clicked. And I said, man, I need Jesus. Like, whatever that guy's talking about, I need that. And what I come to understand is the guy was preaching just real practical stuff. But it, there was an anointing in the room. And God was just tugging. I mean, it, it, it felt like everybody could see what was going on. And I was just like wrestling. Like, I am not going down there. Okay, I'm going. I'm not going. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting by myself. And I'm like, hopefully nobody else knows that I'm just talking to myself and acting like a weirdo. You know, I just was wrestling. And it was my flesh and my spirit. They were saying, we're going to win. No, you're not. You know, it was just a, it was a battle. And I don't know if you guys know what that feels like, but I'm, I'm kind of a wild maniac. That happens to me. I'm not going to eat the ice cream. Yes, I am. I'm not going to do, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. And there's a battle. And I say, hold up. I got freedom. So I'm going to have freedom over here too. Whatever the case is, you know, whatever the situation is, I've got access to freedom. And I can choose it or, or, or I can not. It, it's, it's up to me. So I needed a new heart. I needed, I needed something that was going to work. I put a scripture in here, and hopefully I did not delete it or accidentally get deleted. But in the Bible, I do like to refer to the Bible because that's the word. That's what we cling to. This, I think this is kind of what I put so in Matthew, or Mark 7, 20-23, it says, It is what comes from inside of you that defiles you. From 
Within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. During temptation, whatever's going on, you just have to tell your body, hey, you're going to serve Jesus, period. So that's what I do. I tell myself, hey, no matter what the issue is, you're going to serve Jesus. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your kids. And that's, that's, so that's just my scenario. So when I think when something comes at me, I'm like, all right, at the end of the day, I'm going to serve Jesus. Now, I don't know how to fight this battle yet, but I'm going to figure it out. And so that's what I do. Okay, these are the people I don't want to lose. And so when things come up, I say, okay, well, I got these people depending on me. And there's another group of people over here that depend on me too. And, and then by the time I start thinking about all these people that are dependent on me, this thing has diminished. This thing has began to lose its power. And I say, okay, well, well, you really, I mean, after I've thought about all this here, this thing here really is, it's kind of gone away. Uh, and so I start thinking about, and that buys me a little time too. It, it buys me a little bit of, uh, you know, just time to, to fight back. And by that time, that's gone. And so what I've learned is the desires change. You know, he doesn't come at me with cigarettes or alcohol anymore or pornography or, you know, he comes at different things. And so that stuff is getting out of us. Because as he's coming and testing it and trying it out, there's nothing there. You know, Jesus said, I forget what scripture is. He said, the devil's coming, but he ain't got nothing in me. That means that there was no desire that was out of order in Jesus' life. And I'm not Jesus. I'm going to tell you what I'm, I try to be like him, but let me tell you what, that joker is a bad boy, you know. I mean, he was free. He had no sin. I'm like, golly, I don't know how he did that. I mean, even if I didn't make one action every day, I mean, you're still like, you know, ready to whoop somebody in your mind or something. You know, you know what I mean? It just, he's a bad boy. And he was the only sinless man ever walked here. But he said, he's coming and he ain't got nothing in this joker here. And you know what I try to do is, you know what? He, he's going to show up. And I can't control what he shows up with, but I can control what I'm feeding. I can control what desires I'm feeding, what cycles I'm feeding, you know, making good habits, stuff like that. It's a process to victory. It's not overnight. All it is, all it boils down to is denying the flesh so your spirit can come alive and be in control. The sinful nature, Galatians 5 Galatians and Romans are, are the chapters for this kind of stuff. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. That's what I was doing. That's what I do on most, most of the time when I'm in church or I'm listening to it. That's what I'm doing. If you could hear my mind, that's what I'm doing over this message ain't for me. This message for somebody else. You know, I mean, even on Sunday, I'm sitting. They say for me. Oh yeah, it is for you. Yeah, no, it ain't. Yeah, this for my wife. No, this for me. You know, it's back and forth. And so it's just like. So what I do at the end of the message, man, this message for me. I need this, Lord. I need you. And and I, I just I do everything I can do. 
You don't matter what I'm listening to, it's for me. Oh yeah, that's for me, that's for me. Yep, that was for me. And, it, and it's helped me a lot. It's helped me go, okay, that's, that's for me. And every time I go somewhere, I wanna be changed, I wanna be transformed. I don't wanna show up and just be the same. You know, I don't have to, it's a choice. So, you can beat addiction. Oh, here we go. You can't beat addiction in the flesh by your flesh. Only by Jesus' power. But I've tried to... to the, the, here, here's, what, here's what I learned. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. If the Lord sets me free, I am free, done. It's over. But if I have like done all these... I, I tried harder and I worked hard. Man, it ain't going to last. It may give me a couple of months, but it ain't going to last. So this is how, I may have shared this before. This is how I got set free from nicotine. I was living at my mom's house. And my mom, we talk about this often. My mom, she's a hoarder. We've watched the show. We, we did an intervention. And we laugh about it. Me and her watch it. Like, mom, that's you. She's like, yeah, I know. I know. And I'm like, hey, you know, when you're ready, you just let me know. And I said, what happened, Mom? You know, she said, well, here's the deal. I didn't have anything growing up. I have nothing. So what I did is for 20 years, I've been stuck in the mindset, buy everything you can. Well, this is the result. And I said, Mom, you're right. You're dead on. I mean, you know exactly what you're talking about. So we talk about it all the time. So I painted that picture for you. I'm sleeping on a mattress. Look, as a 20-year-old man, grown man, on the floor, sleeping in there because I relapsed. And so I was sleeping on the floor, and I mean, seriously, there is stuff stacked as high as that drum pit all the way through the house. And all of us are sharing one little old bitty bathroom. And so what was, it was cool. It was like, it was great for me because, I mean, I didn't have anything else to go to. And so I'm laying there one night, and I'm reading my Bible, because uh, I'm ready to get out of there. You know, I'm like, Lord, give me an apartment, Lord. Help, Lord. You know, come on. I can't get no wife's name with mama. And uh, he says, listen, if you give me that nicotine, I'll give you dreams about the future. And I said, what does that mean? So I started calling people. You know, I don't know what that means. I said, hey, what is this? And he said, well, that, that sounds like a prophetic gifting. Uh, and if and if it's God, sounds like a salesman pitch, John. I was like, yeah, I know. That's cool. I mean, is, is it, hopefully it's the Lord. And he said, I've never heard anything like that. But if it's the Lord, it'll work. So I said, okay. So I think I smoked a cigarette that night, maybe. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I just held the pack and stuck it. I can't remember. I need to go find my journal where I wrote that down. But I went to sleep and I had this crazy dream. It was like, like I was there. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy. I've never had a dream like that. And uh, the next night I had a dream that was pretty kind of crazy too. And it was telling me about people's lives. And I was like, whoa, that's a little impersonal. You know, that's kind of, wow. And so, I mean, I, I started this notebook. I started writing stuff down. Wow, this is crazy. And so I was thinking, if I smoke a cigarette, this may stop. So I don't want to do that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep on. Well, then I started getting these dreams about my wife. This lady that was a life group leader walks up to me in my dream and says, hey, Christine's going to be your wife. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Well, then I had two more dreams just like that. And they were like, hey, 
Don't make any crazy stuff. Don't, don't do nothing crazy. She's going to be your wife. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I told my friend, I was like, listen, I've had all these dreams. And he's like, how long has it been since you had that, them three dreams? And I was like, well, it's been about a month or so. And he said, well, anytime the Lord does something three different times, he's reaffirming. He's letting you know that's going to happen. And I was like, are you serious? So fast forward, I had to wait two years before I could even ask her out. And so what I did is I look back now and most of the stuff I had dreams about, it happened. Like it, it became reality without, I didn't tell anybody. You know, and I still haven't told some of the people that I had a dream about that I hadn't told them. Dude, I had a dream about this six months ago before it even happened. And so I was thinking, gosh, I don't want to smoke a cigarette and mess that up. But what I was wondering is, surely he does that to all kinds of other people too. You know, because, I mean, he got what he wanted. He, 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 uh, he helped me lay down an idol. And I was able to receive a gift. So... I don't know. That, that's just what happened to me. So I was thinking to myself, what gift maybe he is trying to give you? You know, because if he did that to me, I'm no different than anybody else. So maybe ask the Lord, hey, what are you trying to give me that the devil's blocking? What is he trying to do to block a gift from you getting? Because you know what the devil knew is if that boy gets a gift, he's going to steward it well. Because I don't I squandered everything I ever had. And so now when I get stuff, I'm like OCD. Like, oh, we got a maintenance step. Here's a maintenance law. You know, and that's just kind of how I feel. Because if I have something, I want to do well. Because I didn't do it well before. So we're like 718. What, what I'm thinking is uh, we'll have a little time of, of worship and prayer. Uh, really, I don't know your reality. I don't, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on. All I know is the things that helped me. Uh, and hopefully what I've shared tonight maybe helps you. But what I, what I do know, you may be, I mean, you may be facing... You know, different things that I, I, I haven't faced. Or, or maybe maybe you're here and you're, you're down the road, recovery, you're doing good, and you just need a little encouragement, and whatever. Maybe, maybe you're about to lose everything. You know, the guy I talked to today, you know, he's supposed to lose, lose a lot, you know. And uh, so I don't know where you're at. But what I do know is God knows where you're at. And, and he knows exactly what you need. And I don't know that. But the good thing is we can agree. We can agree that God will meet you and do something in your life. Uh, Mr. Blake told me a story right before this started. And, and I love the story. All him and another guy did was pray. God answered in an hour. So I was thinking, shoot. Do we believe? Like, I was thinking, gosh, man, that puts me on fire. I want to believe, you know? Like, I want to really believe. And so if you need somebody to believe with you, somebody just to agree with you in faith, or, or you know, you need some direction. I don't know. You never know. I went up for prayer one time, 
And I just needed, I just needed some direction. And God gave that guy a word from, I mean, God gave the guy, the guy a word from him, you know. And, I mean, it was like, thanks a lot, man. I needed that. And so I say this, you know, this is kind of like the altar. If you just want to come and pray, please do. This is probably the most important time of any of these meetings. I, I do like to share some truth, but I, I want you to meet God because he's the one that does all the work. I'm just, a, I'm just a facilitator. I'm just a host. You know, I pray, God, please show up. If you don't come, we are, we wasted our time. We wasted this electricity. You know what I'm saying? If, if you come, we have, oh, it's been worth it. So if you just need anything, if, you, if you've never been born again, listen, I was there. If, you, if you've never been filled with God's spirit, absolutely. I, we would, I would love to pray with you. So me, uh, there'll be a few of us, so, and, and any of us can pray. We're, we're not judgment guys, you know. We're just here to love you and support you, do whatever you need. Um, and so Mr. Brad, he's going to be Mr. Kirk tonight. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room tonight. God, there's so many different needs represented here. God, you're ready to do. So there are people that have reached out to me, you know, in different states over the, you know, just the time we've been here. And they said, hey, we would like to, to be at that meeting, but we can't. I mean, that's like a 20 hour drive. And I said, well, okay. And so another person did the same thing, asked me the same thing, and then it happened again. So when something happens three times, I, I make sure that we fix that problem. And so I just say, you know what? I can download an app and we'll record it. And so I just put it on, a, uh, a, on, on the website um, and then I have it on an app too. And I can send it to you, whatever. So if you miss it, that's okay. But, you know, we, we, we encourage you to be here. But if you can't be here and you're 20 hours away, you can just hit play. So no big deal. We, we definitely have tried to tweak that and make sure it sounded good and it was clear and, and it was easy. And so it's on Spotify and all that stuff. So which was really cool because I'm not big about promoting stuff. But uh, I mean, I was just you know these people want to hear it. God, there's got to be a way. I mean, just within I mean, a couple of hours, he made a way. I didn't really do much. So uh, just so you know that if you if you need that link, just let me know. I can get it to you. Uh, okay, let's talk about priorities. Priorities keep you in alignment with God. When you get out of alignment, God's blessings can be hindered in your life. It doesn't mean you don't love God. It just means that you've maybe made some bad choices and there's a little bit of distance between you and God. When you're out of alignment, you can feel it. You're like, gosh, it's like, Lord, what's the deal? There's some distance. I'm feeling something's not right, you know, and you can just feel it. So that's just, you're just a little out of alignment. Doesn't mean you don't love God. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, your mind will tell you all this crazy stuff. I mean, you'll just, before you know it, you got amnesia or some kind of amnesia or something. And it's sometimes just, you're just out of alignment. No big deal. Just ask the Lord, hey, what happened? Where did I leave you? What did I forget, you know? And he'll let you, what's cool is he'll just let you know right there. And you're like, oh, appreciate that. Let's keep on moving. And it's no big deal. Um, I know for me, I filter everything through how my daddy treated me. Oh, 
let me tell you what, I get all sideways and then eventually I'll, I'll say, okay, Lord, what happened? Man, why do you do that, John? It takes you forever to get back to just ground zero with me. Oh, yeah, I know. Because I'm like, okay, the Lord doesn't love me. He's mad at me. He's ignoring me. You know, all the things my daddy did to me. So you don't have to go through all that. So sometimes you're just, you're just maybe out of alignment. No big deal. Just ask the Lord. He'll, he'll tell you. So we don't work to be saved. We're saved. We're being saved. That's what the Bible says. You are saved and you are being saved. Works has to do with the fruit of what's going on inside of you. If there's good things going inside of you, you're going to have good fruit. If there's bad things going on, you're like a tree. Just think of yourself like a tree. You, know, you can be a poplar tree. You just, I don't know, whatever. You know, I'm kind of like a pine tree, you know. I'm just kidding. So we're, we're really, we're just like a tree. And if we've got good stuff going, good water, good sunlight, stuff like that, you get what I'm saying. You're putting good stuff in, you're going to get some good stuff. So my doctor would love to be standing right over here saying, yeah, hey, man, John, let's talk about your cholesterol, John. So she tells me all about that. And, and she says, if you're putting pizza in, then your cholesterol is going right on up. And she's right. She is right. So that's why I have learned what I'm telling you. I have lived because I used to preach things that I hadn't really lived and if you don't know this or not, if you've ever done a lot of speaking, if you speak about something you haven't really lived, you will live it the next day or through that week. So just be sure you share what you lived. Because uh, it, especially don't preach on patience because it's going to happen tomorrow. So, uh, so good things coming, coming in, good things coming out. Choosing life over death. So I want to share with you this guy, Jimmy Evans. I listened to a lot of his stuff. He, uh, he walked some pretty nasty roads. Uh, he's a pastor in Gateway in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's, he's just, he's practical. That's what I like. I like practical stuff that when I leave here, I can apply it. I don't have to wait or, you know, I can just straight up, I can put it right in my life and incorporate it. And if it works, then good. If it doesn't, then I'll toss it. I was telling my friend Tim, hey, if, it, if this doesn't work, toss it out. So my cousin, he always tells me, John, how's that Jesus walk going? Well, hey, listen, man, 14 years still going. It's still working. When it stops, I will do something else. And you can make fun of me for being religious. You can totally do that. Because he used to say, oh, you're on a religious kick. Yeah, well, I'm going to see how long it'll last. So 14 years, here we go. We're still going. So you just try it. See if it works. Priorities is, a, is kind of a funny word. Do we really understand what a priority is? More importantly, do, does the way we live our lives reflect the things we say about our priorities? We can say, hey, this is our priority to me. But the way I'm walking may contradict what's coming out of the mouth. Our priorities are really basically our values. What's valuable to you? The person who gives priority to God values God. The person who gives some priority above God values that thing highly, more highly than God. The Bible is crystal clear about priorities. Put God first. Matthew 6.33. This is a very, very common verse, but it's very simple. It's very practical. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So in my Bible school last Saturday, we talked about the kingdom of God. That's kind of a, I, 
you know, it's like, what does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? I'm thinking, is this a, is this like an empire? You know, are we supposed to go and I've never been there. Is this like going to Israel? You know, and we really dove into what this means. And the kingdom of God is. He comes into your life and he rules and reigns in your life and he sets up his rulership in your life. And as you surrender his order and his lordship, they just take over areas of your life, your finances, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act. And so I was thinking, wow, the kingdom of God, this is this is where everything when Jesus was talking, he was talking that the kingdom would come in their life. And I was thinking, wow, what does that mean? Can you build a, a kingdom in somebody? And I was I mean, I was asking practical questions. You know, I don't understand. But he would pray Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so if you've never, ever checked that out or dug into that, read the Bible about it, it's really, I mean, it would take me hours to just talk about all the different things that it means. But in reality, it means him coming into your life and taking lordship over your life and his kingdom happening in your life, miracles, healings, whatever needs to be done. So because that's his kingdom, there's no sickness in his kingdom. There's no disease in his kingdom. So that that uh it happens so the kingdom of god is what we're seeking so that means hey my neighbor's sick i want to go over there and i want to pray for him and i want to tell him about the kingdom of heaven man let me tell you what god wants to heal you he wants to set you free he loves you so much you know and just that's just sharing the kingdom of god with them that's sharing truth with them and it's sharing really the heart of god with them so if we're seeking that all the stuff we need like you know, clothes and, you know, thick jackets like we have to wear up here. I'm like, Lord, we're from Louisiana. We're going to seek the kingdom. We're going to need some jackets, like real jackets, not these little puffy things that, ain't, you know, the wind blows and takes us out. And he said, listen, you do what I'm calling you to do and, and, I'll, and I'll take care of everything. And so he has, as we've just said, OK, Lord, we don't know what to do. Uh, you're, you're leading us to start an overcomers meeting. OK, we don't even. Let's go. And, and, and he, he just does it. As we do a little bit, he does all the rest. He just makes it, he makes it easy as we partner with him. Okay. Establishing priority in our lives and homes is a high stakes issue. It's the difference between being blessed or being battered. It doesn't happen by accident. Successful marriages or successful recoveries, successful careers, successful, you fill the blank in are purposeful about their priorities. They structure it in their life. They arrange their decisions, their practices, and lifestyles to reflect it. So I'll give you a prime example. These are very practical, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I, I think they're, they're just so reachable. So, And you guys do this too, and you just may not realize it. I prioritize drinking water so I don't get dehydrated. Most of us do that because we know if I don't drink enough water, I'm going to be dehydrated. So it's so simple. And I was thinking, God, this is so simple. These people don't need to hear this. He said, you better tell them what I said or I'm not going to come. And I was like, oh, I got a way better word than that. I want to, bring, you know, and sometimes it's just so simple. And and that's when he he just clicks a light on it and says, it's just it's simple. It's easy. I prioritize brushing my teeth with whitening solution so I can get all the nicotine stains from smoking cigarettes for 20 years. 
That's practical. It's like I just prioritize it because it, it's just it's practical information. As we prioritize God every day, He gives us the power to yield to the traps. He gives us the power so when the traps come, we can see them. They're plain view. Hey, this is this is what's going to happen before we even go there. Oh, well, so-and-so called. They want us to come to their house. Before we even go there, we know who's going to be there. What are they doing? Oh, well, this is what they're doing. Da, 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 da. Oh, I ain't going. I remember somebody asked me one time, hey, you're going to go to this wedding with me. Da, 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 da. And I said, who's getting married? So-and-so. What do they do? Well, they're an alcoholic. So I ain't going because I know they're going to be blasting there. And I'm not fixing to be off in the middle of that. So I said, you know, you could go, but I ain't going, you know. You just tell them I love them and give them a card and some money. But uh, I'm not going to be going to that. I'll just sit back and watch some cops or something. You know, I'm not going to do that. So I just prioritize what, you know, okay, that's going to be a mess right there. I don't need to put myself in that mess. And so it's just prioritizing things. And it may seem silly and, 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 and just petty gosh this is so petty you know why do I have to live my life some sometimes you, you you go through a season where you have to be a little strict and that's okay because let me tell you what maybe a few seasons later you can stand right beside somebody smoking a cigarette and look at them and go I don't see how you do that and I don't know how I used to do that and, and, and it's weird you just stand right there and it doesn't even bother you I've sat right beside somebody and they're drinking and they said, this don't bother you? I said, it doesn't bother. The only thing that would bother me is if you felt like you couldn't be comfortable around me. That would really bother me. And it, I used to sit by people and they'd be drinking. I'd say, hey, give me one of them. And I, I mean, I just couldn't help myself. I had to have more and more and more and more. But I can sit by my father-in-law and he drinks a beer, has his pizza. I mean, he's not a drunk. He's not, I mean, he's not like kegging. But, I mean, I could sit right there. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even move my needle. And that's freedom. That's what, I mean, Christ sets you so free, you just sit there and, and enjoy their company. So, I'm just throwing some stuff out there, you know, just the priorities that, that really help build an atmosphere to keep you free. Now, yeah, Jesus will set you free just like that. But just like he told me, John, I'll set you free, but you can't go to Circle K when you leave here. Circle K is like Quick Trip. So you can't go to Quick Trip and pray, I'm going to set you free while you're dropping. They were three fifty dollars when I was buying cigarettes. I think they're $7. Gosh, that would, you would think that would make people quit. No, it won't. It don't matter. I remember the lady was telling me, uh, I just went through this, and I had some teeth work done years ago. And she said, John... I know you dip. And I said, yeah, why? She said, because we just did all that work on your teeth and they're all stained and you can't even get no whitening for that. And I was like, I don't care. And I really, I didn't even care. But the other day I was going to get my teeth whitened and, uh, and I'm, I'm just running across this road and they're like, oh, you can't, you can't fix that. And I was like, for real? I was like, but I'm free. And they said, well, that ain't free. You're going to have to get all that new. And I said, Dang, you know, I wasn't even thinking back in the day. I didn't care because you don't care back in the day. You, when, when there's an addiction problem, it don't matter. 
It does, people used to tell me, you're going to die. It don't, I don't care. It doesn't, that doesn't stop me from doing nothing. And the only thing that stopped me was Jesus just had to break that thing off me. That's what he had to do. There was nothing else that worked. I tried to, well, I'm going to try this medicine that makes you quit smoking or, or try this that makes you quit drinking. It just made me sick to my stomach. And I said, I ain't taking that no more. That's a bunch of garbage. And, you know, I just, when you're ready, here's my thing. Priorities are great. But when you're ready, it don't matter what gets in your way. You're going to knock it out. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You'll do whatever it takes. So that's what, uh, that's kind of what happens. You know, you start, here's what I didn't realize. I didn't know I was an addict until I tried to quit on every front. I was like, oh yeah, I can quit that anytime I want. Yep, I tried to do that five different areas. And let me tell you what, that's when you know you're an addict. So um, that's when the work begins. You say, okay, I got to do whatever it takes to get out of here. So just putting some stuff out there. What I realized is as I prioritize reading the Bible, being in the presence of God, being around other believers and attending church, I didn't struggle as bad. I, I just didn't. I didn't have to keep going back to any kind of rehab program. I didn't have to keep going through all this stuff because I was busy doing, I was too busy doing other stuff. I didn't have time for this. You know, I mean, my other buddies, when I would slip out to go smoke a cigarette, they're like, what are you doing, bro? We're fixing to go witness. You better, you better cut that out. And I mean, they would be on me. And I'm like, dude, you guys are on my nerves. And they said, no, you're holding us up. You know, and I mean, we can't be witnessing. You're out here smoking. You know, we're going out to people's houses telling about Jesus. And I mean, they would, they would just stay on me. And they, what they didn't know is they were pushing me closer to Christ. They were telling me, hey, leave this old stuff back here behind. It ain't got no room for your future. And I thank God for them people. I really do because they were, they didn't care if they offended me. They just were pushing me like, hey boy, you got, you're gonna have to move. And, and it helped me, seriously. Because I was thinking, man, these guys really love me because they're getting up in my mess and they're getting messy with me. Which is good. Sometimes it gets like that. But they said, John, the priority is, is the gospel. Man, you got born again, filled with the spirit. You got to tell your story, man. You got, let's get going. You don't have time for that stuff to slow you down. So I don't know if that is maybe, I don't know if that's maybe where you're at. Maybe somebody's pushing you to do stuff that is really just kind of irritating you. That's all right. You know, when I used to sand cars, when I would sand that Bondo down, I'm getting it smooth. I'm getting it ready for that finish. And man, it's sometimes I got to get some real gritty sandpaper and I got to, I mean, I got to really get a hold of that thing. And that's what God does with us. He puts some people next to us that they just rub us the wrong way. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get married to people like that and they, they just start rubbing you the wrong way. But they're, they're, making you, they're making you righteous. They're making you holy. And then you start having little, little people and they start really rubbing you the wrong way. And, and, and they're making you holy too. And it's all trying to push you to be transformed. It's a facilitation to be transformed. And so, so when I get like that, I know, okay, God's trying to change me. 
I'm, 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 I'm not liking it. I don't like it. But that's all right. We're supposed to be changing every day. My buddies used to say, golly, you changed so much. You used to be a G. You used to be down for whatever. You done change. And I said, dude, I change every week. And I am glad for it, you know, because some of my friends, they have not changed. Let me tell you what they say. I mean, they were OGs and they're still OGs and they OOGs, I guess. I mean, they ain't moved a bit, you know, and they're just like, man, you changed so much. It's so crazy to see. I said, dude, you got to change. You are stuck in the mud. You can't keep. I mean, that can't you can't be happy. No way. But I tell them, hey, let hey, let me get up next to you. I'll rub on you some of them rough edges. And that's that's all right, though. But I prioritize people that don't think like me. Because if I get surrounded around a bunch of people that are yes men, and then I don't change. And I stay the same. And I can't stay. If I stay, I get stagnant. And, and, you, and your, your freedom is always moving forward. There is no neutral. It's, it's forward or backwards. And there is no middle, you know. I read this deal a long time ago. It says, the day that you give Jesus less, you gave your addiction, you will backslide. Or you're on the highway to backslide. And it's true. Because, I mean, I used to stay up all night long. You know, and, and, and you know, I kind of equate it like this to, well, I mean, when's the last time I fell asleep reading my Bible? Well, most time I fall asleep watching something else, you know, or watching cops or what, you know, whatever. And so it brings me back to my priorities. My priority is giving Jesus as much as I gave my addiction. I mean, I was all out. Let me tell you what, I was all out for that. And, and I think there's a maturity when, when you give Jesus your, I think some people can get real crazy, you know, like jumping out at a red light and banging on your window, you know, that's crazy. But I think that you can be radical and bold and mature about it. I, I really believe that. And so the things I do with my time, there's a deal on your phone, and I don't want to tell you too much about it, but it will tell you how much time you spend on things. And, and it's convicting. When you open it up, man, it's like condemnation. Oh, Lord, you know, it says you done spent so many hours on this thing or that thing, and I say, uh-oh, John, your priorities are out of whack, you know. And it says video games, but I know that's my little three-year-old. So I say, okay, you know, hey, we got to realign some things. And, and that's okay. Just do that every once in a while. Just check yourself. And it'll let you know where you're headed. Because, you know, they say them boats are steered by this little bitty old wheel. And they're right. And so that little bitty wheel is your priorities. Just whatever you're, you're doing, your ship is heading this way. All right, that is not in here, so hopefully that's a blessing. Amen. That was not me at all. Amen. You guys probably got blessed. We can probably shut it down now. Instead of focusing on not doing bad things, focus on Jesus, his ways, his people that need help, his people that need you. Sometimes we get so focused on Jesus and us we forget about everybody around us. And, and what I've, I've tried to make a habit to do is, is reach out. And I've gotten so, I've made such a habit of reaching out. Shoot, I, I won't even think about myself. I'll just be helping 150 other people, you know, and before I know it, my wife's like, hey, 
you know, we're married to you too, and we live in this house too, you know. And so I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you know, I got to pull back because I love it. I love helping people. But I didn't used to be like that. But I, I said, you know what? People are God's priority. He died for people. And so, you know what? I'm going to start. It was uncomfortable, too, because I don't like helping nobody back in the day. But I started seeing families get put back together, parents finding their kids, becoming daddies and mamas again. And let me tell you what, there ain't nothing on the face of this planet more fulfilling than that. And listen, I wasn't, I wasn't all together, and I still ain't even close to being all together. I mean, I was still smoking, I was still struggling, but you know what? That began to, that began to move me forward, just reaching out. Hey man, is there anything I can do for you? How can I pray for you? And I needed all the prayer in the world, but I just said, hey, I'm gonna make my circle a little bigger. And then I'm going to keep on going. And before I knew it, I wasn't focused on not doing bad things. I wasn't doing bad things because he's this joker here says, hey, man, I need your help. And, and you're the only person I've ever met that knows Jesus. And so I was like, oh, I got to represent him well. I got to rep that joker good. I had to pull my britches up, you know, and I had to put some cologne on, get that cigarette smoke off. You know what I mean? I was like, hold up. I'm fisting the do something because I was cool with myself being misrepresented or, or looking bad, but Jesus, no, I'm no, listen, I'm either going to do it good or I'm not going to do it at all. It's not going to happen. So if you're headed in the right direction and headed towards freedom, it's actually harder to relapse. You really have to fight to relapse. I mean, because you, you can hear the Lord speaking to you. Hey, that's not a good path. Then he starts throwing people in front of you to mess it all up. And I mean, you got to really push to relapse. I mean, I'm telling you, I've done it a bunch. And you really got to push hard to relapse. Like, I mean, crazy stuff. My buddies would tell me, man, we were like trying to flag you down. Brother, I was blowing past the flags as fast as I could go. You know, because it's free will. So it's, it's actually harder to do the wrong thing. So I was telling my son tonight, you know, it's actually harder to do the wrong thing. Even though we do it, it's still harder to do the wrong thing. Inside of us is, a, is that there is a conscience. And before Jesus came, people were judged by their conscience and creation. They didn't have the Bible. But they were, there's something that says, that ain't going to work. Don't do that. And then you got the Holy Spirit. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like a megaphone inside of you. Hey! Dang, who was that? You know? And I'm like, gosh, don't talk to your wife like that. What are you talking about? Did you hear what she said to me? And I mean, Pastor John says it. He's, he ain't lying. I'm, that sucker is loud. So when you, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you better watch out. Because your conscience, it's, it's loud. But then, I mean, you got two voices telling you. So it's really hard to go backwards. It really is. I mean, you can do it. It ain't no fun because I've done that before. Here's what I used to do. See, I got born again, gave my life to Jesus, had an encounter with the Lord. I mean, serious. Said, Lord, I am done. I surrender. Came down to an altar. You know, didn't, didn't like just make a, a funny funny about it, but just really felt God tug me to that altar. Boy, give me your life. And I did. But what I tried to do is I tried to mix a lot of my old habits and 
mindsets and all the other stuff with my new life and they don't mesh. It's not like a sew up. You can't sew that up together. That's a, it's, it's a, it went from an old clothing to a new clothing. And so I really struggled with that, really battled with that part. So this is a process. You're not going to be all cleaned up coming to Jesus. Let me tell you what, if I would have waited for that, I would have waited for a long time. Because I couldn't clean myself up. Jesus had to set me free. He, had, he was the only way. When I came into church, I crawled in that booger. I didn't have nothing to offer. And I said, listen, I need some help. And he said, good, because I got all the help in the world. And that's what happened. I used to wait. Gosh, when I get the smoking thing down, I'll go to church and I'll blend in with all them good people. No, not so much. But what I realized is when, the faster I learned I, I couldn't do it, I like passed all the good people up. Like, whoosh, gone. They were like, who is this guy? He was just a drug addict, you know, and they're pointing at me and I'm like, hey, I just surrendered. Maybe you should try it, you know, and I mean, I wouldn't be an ugly. I would just say, hey, maybe you should try it. You just, I don't know. I didn't say nothing. I just kept my mouth shut. So uh, I'm going to read Romans 6, 12 through 14. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's what it says. It says that we're not a slave to sin. We're not. If we want to be, we can be a slave. But God will just, okay, you want me to set you free? I'll set you free. But I'm going to tell you how to live. And that's, and that's a good thing. I mean, I was ready. I was done. You tell me where to go. Because every place I went, it didn't work. I had a good plan. But it just, it wasn't his plan. And, and, and it didn't work. And it crashed and burned every time. So what I really want to convey tonight is just get a, have a plan have have a plan put the faith in action because i mean we can believe and god gives grace but we've got to move on it you know like okay uh, somebody let me know this week hey listen this is how i'm not going to smoke this week these are the things i'm going to do totally i mean major accountability like mega probably over the top accountability but let me tell you what he didn't relapse he didn't fall off the wagon that joker said i'm gonna do whatever it takes i don't care who i don't care what they say or who laughs i don't care and and that's kind of what it takes is that radical moving in faith and action you know whatever that looks like so keep working that plan whatever it is whatever you're going through you know, I mean, I've got some stuff that, I, that I'm getting free of. You know, I'm like, I'm not stopping. I ain't going to Target and getting the moose tracks. Ain't happening. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing other things. You know, I find a little, little piece of chocolate that's dark chocolate. It's good for me. You know, so sometimes you move from a substance to something else. So you're always kind of working through overcoming something. I don't, I don't know if we're ever, we're free when we're with Jesus. When we're in, in, in heaven, we are free. 
But we can be, we can have a level of freedom here. But we just have to keep an eye on it, keep our priorities in line. All right, I've, I've shared most of the other stuff with you. Let's see. Oh, here we go. I want to share this. When you're busy doing what God called you to do, you don't get caught up in all the other stuff. You are, I mean, you're moving forward. When God says, hey, this is what I put you on this earth for, you're not looking back here. And that stuff's not slowing you down. You're just, you're so laser focused on, man, thank God he would use me. Man, when I got out of jail, I was like, you got a plan for me? What is it? Sweeping the floor? You know, what is it? Mop? I used to mop in jail. What, you want me to be a mopper at a restaurant? He said, no. I called you when you were younger and you ran from me. But if you'll start doing these things, I'll get you to your calling. And I'll bless you. I'll give you a family. And I said, okay, you show me how to do that. And, and step by step, God will walk you right out of where you're at. And you may be in a good place. And that's a good thing because he takes you from good to better and from better to best. They say it's glory to glory. I seen a sign there that says glory to glory. And I said, Lord, you've blessed me and my wife. And I think blessed is kind of a silly word sometimes. It, it always equates money. But really, blessed to me is, is quality of life, richness of life, peace, joy. Most of the things you can't buy with money. You know, because me and Walter know we had all the money, but we didn't have no peace and we didn't have no rest. I was peeking out that door. Did you see that car right there? Them jokers, they watching us. Now they're going to work. Oh, yeah, maybe so. And I mean, I was paranoid, but I mean, we had all the money in the world. But we didn't have no peace. So God will bless you, man. And he'll give you money. When money's okay, you're going to need it. I promise you. You know, your light bill doesn't, doesn't thank you for their prayers. They want your money, right? They'll shut your lights right off. I promise you. You better not send them no prayers. They're going to cut your lights off. God has shown me, listen to this. Let me tell you something. God, will, he will offend you with the plans he has for you. He will get you out of your comfort zone. I promise you. I never in my entire life thought that I would be a book author. I never wanted to be. Never. I never even said, you know what? I think I'll write a book one day. I never in my life, still to this day, I'm like, I can't believe I wrote a book. I can't believe God made me write another book. And I mean, I, I can tell you there's 14 of them that are in the works. And I didn't want to write the first one. But you know what? When you surrender and you say, okay, God, this is what I, I whatever you want to do. He says, okay, this is what I created you to do in this earth. And I want you to fulfill it. And so you'll be so busy doing this other stuff that you don't have time for this other stuff back here. It's just, it's what the devil used to distract you and to hold you up. He just wants to hold you up, you know, because he had a place up there and he lost his place. So what he wants to do is bully us all around and keep us all bound and messed up, you know. I like what Pastor John says, too bad that he has all of us here to show the devil what we can do in a fallen world and he couldn't do it in a perfect world. That's crazy. And it's funny. Now, I'm not saying go pick a fight with the devil. Don't, don't we mess. I, he does got power. I don't mess with him. But I do tell him, hey, that's a good one. But that one ain't going to work no more. I tell him, you better watch out. 
hey, I see you working, you know. And whenever I, I'll tell you, you guys know this. When I see them in that rear view mirror and they're right up on me, I turn it down. That ain't going to work today. You might get me somewhere else, but I ain't getting out of the car today. Because I got a book on the shelf, and if, and if I get out of this car, they're going to say, Christian book author gets out of the car, beats up uh, beats up 40-year-old, 50-year-old man. You know, I can see it all. My wife tells me all the time, you got to watch your mouth, watch your temper. And she's right. And it, it, it's all pushing us. Everything God's called us to do is pushing us forward. And that's what he wants. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't quit when we go back to whatever else that is our vice or whatever that we're trying to overcome. He doesn't quit on us. That's what wears us down. I was telling Dylan earlier, I said, you know, the hardest thing is, man, you, you, you figure out you're running from love. You know, like at the end of the day, you know, when he's just loving on you and you're resisting or whatever the case is, you're just running from that love. And it's kind of like, why am I doing this? Why, why am I letting this just, this is irritating me. It's so much easier just to surrender and say, I give up and quit. I'm done. And I think he's so happy. I know when, I, when I've said that before, I can hear him going, yes, I can actually do some work in this boy's life. He's so hard-headed. You know, I think that's what he says to me. He doesn't say that about you. Hopefully you're, you're going to teach me something. So my mom would always tell me, John, don't do this. Don't do that. Just like I said earlier, Jesus is saying, Get involved in what I'm involved in. And, and all this stuff's a testimony. It's just a testimony of what I did in your life. He doesn't, ma doesn't matter where you've been, where, what you've been through. He's going to use every bit of it. And it's scary to say that because I've done some crazy wild stuff. And God's used every bit of it. Like every bit that I didn't share. Every bit that I, that I may have swept under the rug and said, oh, he can't use that. That's bad. He actually uses everything. And so that that makes you a little uncomfortable sometimes. But it'll bless you because he knows where you've been. And he knows the people that are coming into your life that need that. Hey, man, I was there. Yeah, I was there. That happened to me or whatever, whatever the case may be. And uh, it'll shock you. Stay with your plan. Pray specifically. People gave me a lot of advice and wisdom. Unfortunately, I never listened to them. I had to get a new heart. I had a hard heart. I had a calloused heart. And that wisdom people gave me was great. But I had such a calloused heart. I was just, I was numb. I was numb from living and surviving and I didn't have no priorities. My priorities was survive. And that's what I did for a long time. And some of us have done that. And it just makes us numb to life. It just makes us, we don't feel nothing. But listen, God created emotion. He wants you to feel stuff. He, he feels stuff. Today, I was thinking, man, you know, how does the Lord feel when, when I reject him? When he tells me to do something and I reject him, how does he feel, you know? Well, you know what? He's let me feel that before, you know, where I would feel that from another person. And he said, yeah, that's how I feel sometimes. And I said, dang, that makes sense. You know, like he, he feels stuff. He's not numb. You know, he's God and he's all powerful, but he still feels stuff. So 
I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know exactly what you're going through. Uh, I can say I've walked a similar road uh, in some areas, but there's some things that you've been through I haven't. And I don't know where you're at. But I, all I can say is I put my faith in action. I didn't really know God that well. I just kind of got to know him. I've been getting to know him over 15 years. Uh, and not through another person, but through, through, through really talking to him and Hey, would you show me this? Would you teach me how to do this? I don't have a daddy. I still don't have a daddy that's involved in my life. And so I said, listen, if you're a good God and you're a father, like, like the Bible says, that I need you to be my father. I need you to help me. And I need you to help me work this out. And so that's kind of what I've been doing for about 15 years. So he's helped me through a lot of things. I got born again. Like I said, I came down to an altar. And you don't have to come down to an altar. It can happen right in your chair. It can happen in your car. It can happen in wherever you want it to happen. It only takes a moment to make a moment. It only takes a moment to just stop and say, Lord, I need you to meet me right here where I'm at. I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do. It, that's all it takes. Just just stopping and saying, okay, this is it. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. He helped me understand what being filled with the Holy Spirit was like. I needed it. But I was nervous because I had seen some weird stuff. I was like, man, I've seen some weirdos. And I didn't want to be like that, you know. But he said, John, the Holy Spirit's not weird. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit could come. He's your counselor. You need him. And I was like, okay, well, help me understand what that means. You know, I mean, it was a little different. It was just a little different. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I just didn't. I didn't know. But tonight, we're going to have a little time. It's 7.19. We usually shut her down 7.30-ish. I think if you've got kids, they're ready for you to come get your kids about 7.30. They're telling me, sending me messages, come get your kid, John, hurry. No, I'm just kidding. They don't do that. They will watch your kid. Uh, but we've got about 10 minutes. That's a pretty good while, you know, to, to have a little time of worship and prayer. But listen, these meetings, this time that's fixing to happen right here, we pray all week long for that.